and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. I believe that we can thrive in all areas of life at the same time. But where do we begin? Personally, financially, spiritually, relationally... And often because we don't know where to focus, we do nothing. At least that's the space I lived in for several years. I know what it feels like to constantly be spinning my wheels. And that's exactly why I created the Dream Life Daily Journal. After working through the Dream Life Action Planner, we need to do something every day so we actually take steps in the direction we desire. Throughout the years, I've developed success habits that have helped me to create a Dream 10 life in all areas by focusing on one area at a time. And I teach you exactly what to do each and every day in the Dream Life Daily Journal. You'll find a gratitude game every day to start the morning off right. A space for prayer, meditation, journaling. A space to write down your clear and intentional dream life goal with affirmations and visualizations connected to that goal. You'll then have a spot to write down your dream life action to-do list so you can be intentionally taking action towards your goal every single day. I know that by completing the Dream Life Daily Journal every day for at least 30 days, you can create momentum. And when you do that, my friends, you can live your dream life too. Check out the dreamlifetoolkit.com or Amazon to get your copy of the Dream Life Daily Journal today. Big, big welcome back to the Dreamcast. You guys, I'm so excited about our interview today because our next guest is going to teach us a skill that I wish I had spent more time learning at the beginning of my business. She helps coaches and creatives discover what to say and how to say it to attract their dream clients. Landing pages converting at 60% or higher and crafting personality-filled launch emails are her most favorite things, along with helping coaches create their uncopyable message inside her six-month mastermind, the Copy Confidence Society. As an NYC gal turned Southern, she lives in Atlanta with an MFA from Harvard University. She's also a firm believer in using coconut creamer in her coffee, amen, and listening to Tony Braxton whenever possible. When not click-clacking on her laptop, you can find her analyzing a Real Housewives episode like it's a government policy and consuming inappropriate amounts of nutrageous farce. Mm -hmm. All right. You can hear the personality here, you guys. This is what we're talking about. Copy writing that sends a message, gets your point across, and shares your personality throughout. So big Dreamcast welcome to Marisa Corcoran. Hi, Denise. Thanks for having me. That's a great and that's an epic intro. Thank you. (laughs) Well, when I read your bio, I was like, this is exactly what we're talking about. How do we write so people feel something and are taken on a journey and, and connect with us. And I know you have a strange road into copywriting. So tell us a little bit about your story and what got you into this world. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned in my bio, I have an MFA from Harvard University. I was an actor for a very long time. And when I came back from getting my MFA back to New York City, I was like, well, I can't really go back to nannying or, you know, working at the restaurant. I needed, you know, I had an agent now and I needed to be able to kind of make my own schedule. And so a friend of mine 
suggested that I would be really great at helping people write on the internet. No one can see me, but I'm like doing these quotes, which is like right on the internet. And I was like, okay. So she kind of helped me get my first client. And that client asked me to write a JV packet for her. And I'll never forget, I had no idea what that was. I was just like, okay, well, just send me examples of, you know, your favorite version of this you know, just so I can see. And that's what I learned. That's basically how I learned was looking at other examples. And I realized that what she was talking about was was a joint venture packet, which is essentially an affiliate packet. And so that's kind of how I learned. And what I realized was that everything that makes you a leading, you know, an incredible actress on stage makes you an incredible leading lady for your business. So I started applying like all those concepts, this idea of really having a strong intention when you're writing to your audience, knowing exactly who your audience is, filling it with the personality like we just mentioned, having those moments of vulnerability, all those things that you want to do on stage or when you're in a scene with somebody. I just started applying them to copy, whether it was emails or websites, and started to find my clients getting these really great results. And I was like, hmm, I'm kind of on to something here. But it wasn't something that I ever thought I would do. It was totally something that I fell into. Isn't that so funny? I think that when you just keep saying yes to the next thing that comes into your path and it's something that aligns with you, you get passionate about it, things just always seem to work out. So I love that leading lady for your business. So what are some things you do when you're writing copy that correlate to being on stage? So when I would be in the Harvard acting program, when before we would even start the scene, before you could even start the scene you'd been working on, my teacher, Scott, would ask us, he'd say, okay, so what do you want to get from the other person? We'd have to say, like, what was our intention? Like, what do we want to get from this person? So it's like, do I want her to admit that she's wrong? Let's say I'm in a scene with you, Denise. Like, do I want you to become my ally? Do I want us to be best friends? Do I want you to leave the room by the end? Like, what is the one specific call to action and like intention that I want you to have? So this is the same thing when you sit down to write a piece of copy, whether it be an email, a website page, a landing page. First, you have to think about what do you want the reader to do once they read this page? What's the next step for them? What's the one singular call to action that you have? And so what I see a lot of, especially newer entrepreneurs do is that they have a bunch of call to actions. So it's how do we make sure that it's so specific for the reader? Do you want them to click over and read the rest of this copy on the blog? Do you want them to hit reply and answer a question? Do you want them to click to buy something? Do you want them to take this and try it out today and let you know how it goes? Like, What's the specific call to action? And I would actually say that before you even write something on a Google document, let's say you have a blank Google Doc, right at the top of that page, what is the intention? What's the purpose of this piece of writing that you're doing? So that's like number one acting to writing tip, I would say. And then the second one is always, where can you tell a story? Where can you always highlight something through storytelling? So as opposed to, you know, kind of coming in and, and sometimes we might feel like, oh, we're being a little preachy or it's just like we're giving all these tips and how to's. Instead, what's a story about yourself that can really show vulnerability and also show your credibility at the same time that you can share with them? So really focusing on the storytelling and having that very specific call to action are my two ones that, that I always go to to start with. Well, and I've been paying more attention to your emails now, knowing that that's what you do, right? Is teach how to write copy that converts. And so I've noticed, you know, you have an email that's a whole story about going into Target and you can you really create a story about anything as long as it has that one clear to action at the at the end. So yeah. You know, 
copy is important for business. It's important for sales. And it's even more important now that we have social media because every single post is basically writing copy. You want them to do something. You want to connect with you. You want them to say yes or comment below or check out your website or whatever the case may be. Why do you think that we really need to focus on this skill within the business? You know, I always feel like copy is like water for your business. You really can't live without it. So what happens is, is if we really, if anyone who's listening, if you really take a moment to think about every part of your day involves some sort of copy, whether you're responding to an email, you're writing a social post, you're writing on Facebook, on Instagram, writing is still so much a part of our day. And even if you're speaking, let's say you're doing a Facebook live, that's still copy, right? Even if we're speaking it on video or on audio, like what we're doing right now, this is all still copy, which is a part of our message. So if our message isn't like so clear and someone doesn't know exactly what we do and how we do it, then we kind of get lost in the online shuffle. So which is why I say like messaging and copy needs to be number one in your business. I consider it one of the three business basic needs, right? Like you need to know how to find an audience and potential clients, right? We call that like lead generation. We need to know how to enroll that audience or sell to them in a way that doesn't feel salesy or like a used car salesman or something. So that's, you know, your sales training and how you attract all those people to begin with is your messaging and your copy. So it's really important to take time to get specific with how do you help people? And really the mistake that I I see a lot of newer entrepreneurs making, but is easy to fix is to really think about being clear over clever. So a lot of times we want to get to this very like clever place of, you know, transforming lives or empowering women, which of course, this is a part of the message, but how I empower women might be different than like how you empower women, Denise. So we have to make sure that when we're saying terms or, or headlines or taglines like that, that we're really getting specific about like, who is the woman that you're helping to empower? How are you helping her? Are you helping her, you know, make more money in her business, which of course is empowering. Are you helping her find her? you know, the husband she's been waiting for, like as a love coach, are you helping her be the best mother that she can be? So taking those kind of general terms and making them more specific, which really helps your audience find you and be like, oh my gosh, not only are you like the best choice, like you're the only, you're my only choice because it's so specific. You're, you're calling out to me. So specifically, I have to work with you. Ooh, I mean, yeah, that's exactly it. When you have that ideal person, right? Your dream client, you're thinking about them, right? In in front of you and you're writing to that person, you're creating content that makes them go, me too, me too. And I know I'm really guilty of this, of being like, who needs my stuff? Everyone. (laughs) Ages 18 to 80, men, women, everybody (laughs) could benefit from this. But really when you talk to everybody, you talk to no one. And so I'm also guilty of using, like we call them, you know, just buzzwords, uh, white noise words, right? Where everybody hears it, but it means nothing. So what do you do to help people get really clear on their message? Yeah, you know, what's really interesting is that I think people think it's going to appear overnight. And that's not the case. And I think that's why people don't do it. Because I think people go, they might hear us at this stage, Denise, and go, okay, all right, I get I get what you guys are saying. And then they go to try and do it. And because it doesn't magically come to them, they're like, oh, well, I, I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm not going to figure it out or it's too, you know, it, it takes too long and then they don't, then they don't do it. So they go, they kind of go back to the general words because they've seen other people do it. It's so like, well, if it works for them, it can work for me. So I first like to say that I, it takes a little bit. So I like people to go super simple to start knowing that the sexier words will come to you later on. 
So for example, for myself, I remember feeling like I know I help coaches and creatives, you know, create this kind of compelling copy, which even for me felt still general because there's other incredible copywriters that are also doing that. So I too had to take my own, you know, medicine and get more specific. And then I remember I had a client of mine or a former student of mine reach out to me one day and she said, I just want to thank you so much. I feel like in your class, I totally unleashed my voice. I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's it. That's it. But it, it, it took a little bit to start to get the kind of sexier way to describe it. But at first I had to go really like super clear so that people knew. So I always urge you to just get really super clear and then think about kind of what's getting specific on what your product slash services. So that means, you know, what are you helping people do? Are you, you know, a business coach? Are you a love coach? Like what's the kind of product or service that you're helping people do? What's the person? So let's say you're a love coach. Okay. Are you a love coach for singles? Or are you a love coach for people who are already married or in relationship? And then what's kind of like the purpose? What are you kind of promising them? So is it a single? Is it to find like, you know, their husband? Is it to find the next long-term partner? Is it to go on their next date and actually get a second date? So there's always ways. I always call it like the blooming onion, like at the New York State Fair. It's like this giant onion. You just keep peeling back the layers of like the goodness. So it's just keep thinking about it. So, but you could also be a love coach who works with married couples, but then it's like, okay, married couples who have been together for 10 years or longer, married couples who maybe they have a blended family, maybe they just got married. So there's always ways that you can get a little bit more specific. So I like to think of like, what's your service? Who's the person you're speaking to? And why does it kind of all matter for them? What's going to, what's the big promise for them as well? I'm writing notes. I think my, oh. our, our, our audience is too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the biggest one, I think. And I think that if, and, but I also want to say that I realize that even when you sit down to do it, it still might take a little bit. I'm doing this with my ladies right now in the Copy Confidence Society. We're talking about like, this exact thing this month and it can be the hardest part. And it can be the thing that makes you like want to take a nap or like pull your hair out. But once you kind of get over this hump and do it, it makes writing copy so much easier because then if I'm a love coach who's writing for, let's say, married couples that are have a blended family, they've both been married before and they're like the modern day Brady Bunch. Well, then it makes it so easy to write copy. Nothing's muddied. Everything's clear. You could create you know, copy for a year because you know exactly who you're speaking to. Right, right. Well, and I can picture two blank word decks. The first one is... Who is your dream client? What is the service you offer? Who is the person? Why do they need it? Why would they say yes? You know, and you can really guys brain dump all of that. But then I also hear you saying it's going to take action and learning and feedback from your people to make it even honed in even that more. So don't wait to take action, right? Start taking action and learn and grow as you, as you do. And then the second word doc has your specific copy that you're writing for that week or that month or that day. Mm -hmm. And it says, what do I want to get? What do I want them to do from writing this? And you can see it kind of becomes this funnel where you're attracting them with your messaging, but then you're connecting with them through the copy, but then you're also getting them to do something. So what are your three best tips for emails that actually get opened and responded to? Yeah, we kind of talked about this a little bit, which I want to just hone in on the story part a little bit more because people think, you know, when you said you go, oh, you wrote this whole email about going to Target, which is true. I did. I let, well, any email about going to Target. Um, I'm always trying to find ways to insert Target into my, <laughs> into my writing. <laughs> it's so <But>, relatable. <laughs> but that's really the key is that it's relatable. So I think sometimes people think it has to be that kind of like huge, 
transformative story. And of course, we all have that, right? Let's say you were a weight loss coach and you struggled with your weight loss and now you've you know, lost that weight. So of course, you're going to want to share that story. But in my acting world, we also used to talk about this thing called slice of life moments. And that we would have to get up on stage as the character. And my teacher would make us do like a day in the life of that character, like their slice of life moments, like your character getting ready in the morning, the character answering the telephone, like these very simple, like relatable moments. And that's really what your audience wants to see. So of course, yes, that kind of transformative story they want to hear about, but you can't tell that story over and over again in an email. So it's like these simple, relatable stories that people can really grasp onto, like going to Target or like, you know, you struck up a conversation with somebody at your kid's soccer game and that led you to, you know, connecting it back to your audience. So I actually, on my phone, I keep track of these like slice of life, simple moments. And my husband's always reminding me like, oh, that could be an email. And then I just like remember. And then when it's time for me to write the email, I'll go look at my list. So that's number one is where you can always, again, tell a story, 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 stories all the time. Um, it just really, it's our oldest form of communication really is just, you know, and inviting. And it's the way that we really can connect with other people through storytelling. Um, the other thing is, we, which we kind of mentioned before, which is that very specific call to action. So once you've set up this great story and you've connected it back to your audience, then you want to make sure that you've given them that specific call to action, which is, do you want them to hit reply and, and, and you know, give you an insight or, or answer a question? Do you want them to go read over on the blog? Do you want them to click over to a sales page? Do you want them to come over to Facebook Live? What is that very specific call to action? And make sure you tell them. Like, we need to be told things. For example, yesterday, I was at a grocery store with my mom um, called Wegmans. For anybody who knows, it's the greatest grocery store of all time. And I was getting an, uh, like a hot chai at the little cafe part. And it clearly said on the on the thing that you put your credit card in, it's like, if not using your Wegman Shopper Club card, click skip first. And I, I still didn't do it because it wasn't like big enough letters for me to see it. It made me realize like, you have to be so specific. You have to tell people exactly what you want them to do. So telling them click, you know, hit reply and tell me the number one, like make sure that you make it so clear for them to know what the next step is. Don't, don't leave anything up to chance because our brains are like, you know, we're, we're thinking about a million things that we might go on to something else as opposed to like doing exactly what you told us to do. So don't ever think you're being too specific or too like giving them a specific direction. You can't be, you know, can't be specific enough. And the third thing I would definitely say is making sure that you have a subject line that people want to open. So yeah, let's say you wrote this great email that had really awesome story and you had a super specific call to action. But if you don't have a subject line, that's really going to intrigue them and get them to open it. Then nobody gets to read all that awesome work that you've done. So my favorite thing to look at for subject lines is to look at magazines, look at the cover of Cosmo, look at the cover of women's health, look at the cover of real simple. This works for, you know, everybody, male, female, whatever your interests are, look at the cover of golf digest runner's world. It's literally set up for people to want to open the cover and to read it. You could just Google Cosmo covers. And I like to just take a bunch of them, put them in a Google doc, and then kind of swipe them and change the wording around so that it could be an email to my audience. And so if it was like, you know, love tips so hot, I'm totally making this up. Then it would be like, you know, subject line tips so hot. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, it's fixing them a little bit so that it can be for your audience. Well, and I hear you saying you're keeping your eyes open on what is grabbing your attention? What would make you say yes? 
what in everyday life could you take and then and then repurpose to be a message to your clients? So you're kind of always, your eyes are open and you're looking for ways that you can connect. And then you're looking for things that spark your interest and then you can duplicate. Yeah, you're always swiping. You know, like Adora the Explorer for like all the moms out there when it's like, <laughs> when he's like, she's like swiper, no swiping. I'm like swiper, all the swiping. You're not doing it word for word. Obviously, it wouldn't have the same message as you and we're not out to steal anybody's content. But we're looking, like you said, at what catches our eye? Why did this connect with us? And then is this something that we could kind of zhuzh around and create a version that would make sense for our audience? It makes it a heck of a lot easier than sitting around kind of you know writing from scratch, let's say. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you guys, if you are, don't have an email list, then you can use all of these tips and tricks within your Facebook messaging, within your Instagram posts, and then certainly create an email list so you can start gathering the names of the people that are you're connecting with. One thing I find is that I'm really good at putting content out there into La La Land with no clear action. And then it feels like it really isn't doing anything. It's not helping me grow my business necessarily because people don't even know how they can then work with me. So putting content out there just to put content out there isn't going to help you grow your business. Build a tribe, connect with people. It's It may be good content, but you really do want to take them somewhere on the journey so they can grow with you. Yeah, 100%. You want to take them somewhere on the journey, but also in the same sense, I would say, Denise, like still put content out there. Keep working at that call to action. Don't let it hold you back to go, well, I'm not sure if this is right, so I'm going to hold off. I see like in this sense, it's like, oh, people always go quality over quantity. In this sense, I go quantity over quality because I say the more stuff you put out, the more you'll start to uncover what your voice actually is. Actually, like the greatest copywriter, her name is Laura Belgray. She actually had a post about this on Instagram a couple of weeks ago, or I think it was last week. Again, she puts out so much content, which is why she's so amazing. But she had this idea of like, she was talking about, you don't come up with your voice and then put content out. You put content out and then you come up with your voice. So you have to keep putting stuff out there for you to even know what's resonating and what isn't. What happens is, is people kind of create in a vacuum and they're like, well, I don't know if this is good, so I'm not going to put it out there. And I'm like, let's put it out there. Like, what's the worst that can happen? Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. Put it out there and learn as you go because you'll have people give you feedback in your comments or give you feedback about your program or whatever it is. And and they're going to help you create the next one. I find some of my best content is just answering the questions in the comment section. A hundred percent. And knowing, especially as you said, Denise, you know, people don't have email lists. Absolutely. All the stuff you can use in social media, but on in, and even better, because what happens is, is that just the way that things are seen in the algorithm, like people aren't going to see every post that you do. So it's like, I will put the same thing on my Facebook and put it on my Instagram. Because I know for me, I'll come across maybe someone, something on Facebook, but I'm busy or I didn't get a chance to see it. And then I might see it later on Instagram. And I'm like, oh, let me actually take a moment and check that out. Because I knew I wanted to see that. Remember, people have to like see you a bunch of times for you to create that like, you know, world where they get to know you and, you know, the whole know, like, and trust you that people talk about. So you have to put out way more, you know, content than you think without kind of judging yourself. And don't worry, because people need to see you a bunch of times. And social media is your best place to do that, to really kind of have fun with the stories and the call to actions. Absolutely. You can really view it as a test. Let's see how this goes. (laughs) Yeah, you really have to view your whole business as a test. And that's the scariest part. That's the scariest part. But that really is what it is, is to put stuff out before you're ready. It's so scary. And I know someone's listening to this and they're like, oh my God, are you sure? And it's like, yes, I'm so sure. 
you know, even from when I started the Copy Confidence Society to now, every step of the way, each group of women, I've learned something new that I've gone, okay, I real, okay, so I realized that this group needed more of this. So for the next group, I'm going to give more of this. And knowing that like everybody that comes in has different energy and stuff. So you're constantly kind of up leveling. But if I didn't start the group, I would have never known that if I kind of like hold myself away to create some sort of picture perfect group. Right, just, right. You got to put it out there before you're ready. You know, and I think that's the vulnerable side of entrepreneurship is we feel like we've got this big message to say or something that could be really helpful to somebody, but we have to put it out there for it to actually be helpful. And the putting it out there feels vulnerable. One of the things you said was that when we tell a story, we want to share that, right? Share the vulnerability, share some of the emotion, but then also weave in the credibility. So do you have any tips for how you can do both in the same message? Yeah, sure. So let's say you're talking about a case study, you know, or you're talking about a client of yours. Maybe you're telling a story of a student or a client that's gone through a program with you or worked with you. And there's some vulnerability because you're sharing their story, but then you're also sharing how, how I'm just going to use she, you know, just because most of my clients and students are women, how she overcame it. So you can kind of weave in what her results were at the same time. But even if I'm telling a story and I say, if I'm talking about myself, you know, being at Target, let's say I'm talking about being at Target and and whatever the story is, I might find a way to have a little sentence where I say, and yeah, this is exactly what we were talking about, you know, in the Copy Confidence Society and how my student Kathy was able to book a podcast every single you know, months she was inside the society, you know, thinking about whatever your story is, how could it weave back to the credibility of one of your students or one of your clients? So there's always little ways. It doesn't always have to be like a huge, like before and after. It could just be these little like one-off sentences. Yeah. A one-off sentences where it shares a result that someone got from the product or service that you're offering, because that in itself says she had success. So can you? Yes, for sure. For sure. I want to ask a bit about your your business journey because I I know people always see the stage, right? They see the launch success, they see the program development and you're out there doing it, but they don't often see behind the scenes. So I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the most important lessons you learned within your first year or two of business. Oh my gosh. So do we have enough time? So many. (laughs) You know, I want to preface it by saying that if you haven't watched, uh, Brene Brown has this incredible, and I I just want to say I wasn't, of course, I've always like respected Brene Brown, but I wasn't like, I wasn't a groupie. But anyways, I was home a couple like months ago and my husband was out. And so I started watching the Brene Brown, the special that was on Netflix and it blew me out. Like it just blew, it like changed my life watching this special. But one of the things that she said, which is so key was she said that she'll go in and she'll teach people kind of about like, you know, failing and what it means to fail. And if you play big in the arena, you're going to fail. And she says, inevitably, people leave the the conference or whatever with her. And they're like, okay, Brene, I'm going to go. And I'm going to do this because I know I might fail. And it's okay. And she's like, no, people don't get it. It's not that you might fail. You will fail. And that's like so scary. But it's so the truth. Like you will fail. My first year in business, because I was still trying to be an actor at the same time, I really mess. I took on a client that was a really big person in the online space and I, I wasn't ready for it and I wanted to, but I was still kind of acting, but I kind of bombed that experience. And I remember, you know, for months after I was like, who am I to kind of keep, keep going? And what I realized was like, 
No, it, it really helped me learn that like, okay, maybe I really do need to pick one of these avenues and really be focused on what I want to do, which was, you know, ended up being the road to where I would become a full copywriter. And I look back on that experience as actually teaching me so much about, okay, what was my system actually going to be? Because I was kind of thrust into the world. But I was like, okay, so what was my system going to be? So it was like little things like that. You can always learn from them. You know, even this last launch I had, yeah, I had over a hundred thousand dollar launch. I made one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. I booked one hundred and twelve thousand dollars. You know, most people are on payment plans; they'll pay throughout. And of course, I have to pay my team. The federal government takes their cut. But when all is said and done, I'll still be left over with a, a solid chunk of change, which is amazing, right? But even within that, I realized that there were things I wouldn't do again for the launch. I had it where you could speak to me for three weeks, and I realized that now I would have had that be a lot shorter. I really would have just done like a week or two because I feel like people knew if they wanted in or not. And so I kind of dragged it along towards that last week. And by that last week, my energy had really dipped. And I felt like I wasn't showing up as well as I could have on the calls anymore because I was exhausted. So there were certain things that I just had to learn and also learning because my business has grown so fast, learning to say no, because I always want to say yes to everyone. People will ask me, hey, can you come and teach inside, you know, inside my group? Hey, can I have you do this? Hey, and I, I've always been like a yes person. But I think at some point you have to just feel really powerful when you are able to say no and not have to say why, but just to be able to say no so that you don't overextend yourself either. I mean, I could go on forever with all the things we've learned, my team and I, but I feel yeah. like those are some critical ones. <laughs> It is. It's like a personal development program with a compensation plan attached. Entrepreneurship is you're learning, oh you're gosh, growing, totally. you're pivoting and adding value to the world. And, and the money, the money does come. It will come. I trust that it will, but it certainly feels uphill sometimes. Yeah. So one question I actually, I didn't ask you yet that I'm really interested in is how do you add personality? You know, what are some things that you do when you're, when you're messaging or at writing your copy to make sure that it's not just a bullet list of facts? Going back to the theme of today, which I feel like is those stories. So for example, there was an email where I wanted to segment my list. So I have a list, you know, my, my readers, my email list, where a bunch of them are maybe like newer entrepreneurs that, you know, would be great for the Copy Confidence Society. But then I have other people that, you know, are really high multi-six, seven-figure business owners that I know are going to want to have me come do like done-for-you work for them. So I wanted to find a way to make sure that everyone was getting the emails that were relevant to them and not getting maybe the other ones. So I knew I wanted to segment them. But I'm like, how do I write a set, an email to tell people to segment themselves that isn't like, you know, super boring or just a list of like, click here. So I, my assistant was like, okay, we need this email. We, we have to put it, we have to send it out. And I'm looking, I'm si I'll never forget, I'm sitting in my kitchen and I look over at like this console we have when you walk into the house and it has a pile of mail because every Saturday I go through the mail. And I was looking at this pile of mail. It just made me laugh because we've been getting mail for this woman named Natalie Cruz who used to live in our house before us. And literally, Denise, for almost two years, every Saturday, I have another pile of mail that's just for Natalie Cruz. Like we're still getting mail for Natalie Cruz. I'm <laughs> like... I got to, I got to like send these and I never know, like, does she need this? Well, there was one that was one time like a credit. I'm like, she, that was like for a bill. She has to get this, but other ones that are like, you know, kind of that like spammy, like snail mail. I'm like, okay, well maybe she doesn't need this. I just spend my life going through Natalie Cruz's mail. And then boom, it dawned on me. That's the email. I don't want my emails to feel like, you know, one big pile. I don't want my emails to you to feel like one big pile of Natalie Cruz mail. So I'd love for you to click below at the one that makes sense to you. 
yes, I'm a newer entrepreneur and, you know, a group program done with you is where I'm at. Or yes, I'm a multi six figure, seven figure entrepreneur and done for you is where I'm at. So I told this Natalie Cruz story. I was like, every Saturday morning, I, you know, I spend half my day sorting through Natalie Cruz's mail. I've never met her. I don't know her. Like I told a little bit of me going through that mail and then connected it back to my audience to say, I don't want my emails to you to ever be one big pile of Natalie Cruz mail. So always going back to that story, which had my personality, which was me going through this, you know, pile of, of, of mail and also creating what I call a word closet, which is going through and thinking about what are the words and phrases that you use all the time and how can you sprinkle those into your copy? Like, I know I say one time, one of my, one of the ladies inside the copy chat who also, who's always inside the Facebook group, she told me, she's like, yeah, I'm feeling really like excited about this. Or should I say jazzed? As you always say, Marisa, I was like, yeah, I do always say jazzed. So that's like in my word closet. So I'm going to sprinkle my emails with things I say all the time. So I think people are always like, well, what would my ideal client say? I got to use like the buzzwords that they say. And it's like, no, I would create your word closet that sounds like you and sprinkle that in. So it has your personality going through it. So people start to know your flavor, your language, like how you speak, what makes you so distinct. It sounds like really knowing who you are and owning it. Yeah. I think people are always like, well, what would my ideal client? And and totally, we do want to use words and phrases that our ideal client would say when we're describing their pain points or their problems. I'm not going to sign my emails like, I don't know, like groovy because maybe my clients are like older than me. I don't know. Like I'm, I'm going to sign off in what feels right to me. Like I'm going to use my word closet. Right. Well, and I think that's when you build the loyalty and, and the connection with you is the more of you you show, the more people feel like they're getting to know you and they like know and trust you. And I think, yep. I think the more that we know who we are and the more bold and confident we show up, right, then the more we're going to attract those people that are maybe three steps behind us. Yes, for sure. So can you talk a bit about your bigger vision for women in business? Yeah, I think my bigger vision for women is, you know, as a an upper, an elder millennial, I guess. I never know when the millennials start, but I do consider my, I think I am a millennial. I was born 1984, so I'm in there. I think I'm, I'm 81 and I'm like- Are we millennials? I was just recently told I was, although I thought I was Gen X for most of my I life. I know. <laughs> well, I feel like millennials are really, so my big vision is really, you know, to help millennial women be able to create wealth in their business and pay off their student loan without relying on their partner or a man you know, whoever your partner happens to be and without relying on like the repayment plan, you know, the debt prison that is like repayment plans or waiting for like the federal government to like make a decision if they're going to like do something about it. Um, That's been a big thing for me. It's been a huge thing in my business. It was really why I really wanted to dive in and, and go full time as a copywriter, which was to find a way to pay off my massive student loan so that I could really be able to kind of give back. Um, That's huge for me, you know, and, and, And I think that, you know, whatever you want to use your money for, whether it is to buy yourself that dream home or, you know, go out and get all like the luxury, like, you know, skincare creams, like whatever it is that you want to use it for, that you can spend more time doing those kinds of things as opposed to being like a slave to your student loan. So helping women pay off their student loans by creating wealth in their business is huge for me because I'm seeing it cripple myself included an entire generation of, of people who were kind of told that, you know, if you spend all this money and you signed your name on this line at 18 years old, that, you know, all these things would happen. And I think that we do a lot of 
we shame our generation a lot for not knowing better or whatever and not really recognizing what our generation was kind of going through when we were about to go to college, not really understanding what we were signing our name to. And so being able to kind of pay that off so that we can do all the other things that we want to do in our life. And so that's huge for me. I'm on my way to paying off my student loan solely through my business, which is really incredible. Awesome. Congratulations. And you guys, I hope you even heard the specificity in her bigger vision for women. It wasn't like, I want women to speak their voice, which is awesome, but also vague. It's, I want to help millennial women pay off student loans by building their business. Yeah. Like, that's so specific. So when you're messaging, creating content, whether it's on social or in an email or even on a sales call, you're talking to that person and you're so excited about it because you're like, this is going to help you feel free again. You're going to actually be able to go on vacation because you won't have all of this hanging over you. Like, think of all the, the messaging you can create because you know who you really want to help. I love it. Yeah. It's so true. It's so true. And then people go, well, what, you know, and then they go, well, what if that person didn't have student loan debt, but they had credit card debt? I'm like, I want to make it so specific, but because I've been so specific, you still kind of create the relatability. So let's say a woman did have credit card debt. She might still contact me because she's like, oh my God, when you spoke about that, that spoke to me, even though that isn't me exactly, it felt like this. I think people feel like when they get more specific that it's going to exclude people, but it actually doesn't. Awesome. All right. Two last questions for you. Who are you learning from now? What are some books you're reading? So I just finished Overcoming Under Earning. The author escapes me, but it has been huge for me. It's called Overcoming Under Earning. That was a big one for me. My favorite, absolute favorite book on writing is called Everybody Writes by Anne Handley. I have all my students in the Coffee Confidence Society read it. It's like my writing Bible. And I also think like, just because we're talking about copy, the best way to, to actually learn and become a better writer for your business is to read other people's stories. So inside the Copy Confidence Society, I have the ladies read one book on writing. I have them read a memoir and then I have them read a novel because that's how you become kind of the chief storyteller for your business. So I do read business books, like I said, like reading, overcoming, under earning, but I just read a lot. Like I read a lot of memoirs. I read a lot of magazines. I read a lot of novels. It's just so that I'm constantly being inundated with stories so that I can become an even better storyteller every day. Awesome. Awesome. And then what is one thing you do every day that you couldn't live without? One thing I do every day I couldn't live without. You know, what I really realized is that I have to work out first thing in the morning. When I miss not moving my body, the first thing that I do, because I'm a person who naturally wakes up with a lot of anxiety. I just am. And I'll let all the things I have to do kind of like just cripple my mind. For anybody who's a Harry Potter fan, I feel like it's like the Dementors are like circling me. And then I'm like, you know, I'm just like, I can't get anything done. So I feel like if I wake up and the first thing I do is leave the house and I go work out for an hour, like go to a workout class, I feel like that really sets the tone for my day. And whenever I miss it, Monday through Friday, I feel off. So I would say that would have to be the thing. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience and all of your tips with us. You guys, your website, Marisa Corcoran will be down below and she has got an amazing freebie for us with three tips to really take your writing. What do you call it? Snap, crackle, and pop? Oh, the Rice Krispies of your blog. (laughs) Yeah. Three simple steps for more snap, crackle, and pop. That's on there. 
Yeah. And then, you know, the other place to really come on over to, because there's so much going on is the copy chat Facebook group and inside the copy chat Facebook group, you know, we, I do lives in there. We answer questions. People are always posting different copy and stuff. It's a great community to kind of become an even better storyteller for your business. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in the comments or the description box below as well, you guys. So thank you so much again, Marisa. And um, you guys check out her website and the copy chat Facebook group so you can become a better writer and the leading lady for your business. Yes. (laughs) Have an awesome day. Thanks, Denise. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. I want to hear your aha moment from today's amazing episode. If you could leave a review at whatever podcast player you choose to listen from, Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're listening from, leave a review and share with us your favorite part of today's episode. Thanks for hanging out. And remember to dream big.